Welcome to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, with pupils and with parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode, I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school. And today in this episode, we're talking about how your child progresses through school, what assessments are carried out, what the internal conversations between staff about all the children are like, how they look, what this means for the 11 plus for senior school and lots of other information that parents will all benefit from knowing. So if you have a child in school right now, or if you have a younger child who's going to be coming to Snares Book Prep in the future, then you're going to love this episode. So come with me now as we speak to the head teacher. It's Ralph Dalton. Ralph, good morning. Good to have you on the podcast again. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Simon. Yes, um, it's a quiet day. Um, yeah, no, it's, I'm looking forward to this conversation. In fact, I'm saying it's good to see you again. I'm lacking authenticity here a little bit because for the sake <laughs> yes. of people listening, we, we've just recorded another episode. So it makes perfect sense to do one after the other. Actually, trying to find time in your diary, Ralph, is, is not always the easiest thing. Busy being a head teacher, I get that. So I appreciate your time here to do two of these one after the other. So I'm saying, how are you? I know exactly how you are because we've just spent the last hour together. Right. So this episode here, we're addressing this really at current school parents and in particular parents that are kind of wondering how their child is doing at school, which is probably, I imagine, all parents uh, <laughs> who are imagining how their child is doing at school. Uh, first of all, Ralph, why are we talking about this? Why is that important for you to want people to understand that? Essentially, I think I want people to realise that the child's development is not accidental. It's the result of systematic um, and rigorous sort of thought. That's essentially um, what I'd like people to come away with. Because mm -hmm. I imagine that when children go off to school and then they come back home again, parents will ask them what they did in school, but they don't really get a clear understanding as to how they're getting on in school. And that's very true. You know, I, I always say, you know, my son always answered the question, how, how was school today with, you know, oh, I had cucumber for lunch. And I, I'm really certain that he probably didn't just eat cucumber for lunch. Um, I mean, I'm sure he did, but, uh, you know, I'm sure he had some cucumber, but I'm, I'm, he seems to be healthy enough that he didn't just eat cucumber. Mm. Um, but the same is very true. And also I think schools very much um, have to work on the basis that no news is good news. But that takes a lot of trust on behalf of parents that, you know, we would contact you if there was an issue. And obviously for that to actually happen, you do actually need to know, you do need to be asking the question, how is this child doing? And I, and I, mm. I put the emphasis, emphasis on this child, not these mm. children or how's the cohort doing? Or um, And again, I think that's one of the areas that's special about Snaresbrook Prep is that we are so intimate that it is always, how's this child doing? Mm. Um, mm. And then we ask that. 16, 17, 18, 19 times rather mm. than, you know, how's the class doing? Okay, so tell me then about assessments. How, how does that work in school life? So essentially, um, there are two forms of assessment. And, and I use the term assessment not as a synonym for test um, or sort of outcome or grading, um, but as in how are we getting on? in relation to where we want to be and need to be, I guess are the two sort of um, signposts that you're looking for. So you've got um, sort of maybe the more formal assessments that you do and the more informal assessments. So they it breaks down in those two branches. The informal ones are, as a teacher, every interaction that you have with a pupil or a group of pupils, you are making a judgment as to 
where is their understanding in relation to what I was trying to teach? So every lesson starts with the idea of, right, I'm trying to get across this objective. Um, in order to do that, you need to have an understanding of, you know, X, Y, and Z. We tend to call them success criteria. Um, and then through that lesson, you're constantly monitoring where you are in relation to those and mm. then adjusting what you deliver or ask the pupil to do or the information you give them or et cetera. And so you have that, it can, you know, almost feel like a minute by minute assessment going on. Certainly by the end of the lesson, you're then taking that and you're thinking, okay, where are we? What do we need to do next? And that will mm. then inform how you plan and what you plan for the next lesson. So you've got that informal assessment going on constantly mm. we then have and and that's very much like a bit like stock prices you know stock prices go up and down every minute if you were to track the stock price mm. you know that's your those are those informal data points we're constantly taking mm. but then what we want is we want to take a uh, a sort of formal snapshot so we can see the larger trend because actually that's the bit that's important I've often said this, it's not my quote, but learning isn't a linear process. It's more like the tide coming in on the beach. So when you watch the tide come in, the waves come up and they make a line on the sand and then it goes out. And the next wave that comes in doesn't always get to the same point. Mm. Often it falls short and sometimes it goes well over. But over time, the tide comes in. Mm. And that's very true of learning. It's, it's not a, a linear thing where you just put one block on top of the next if it were, it'd be so much easier. Mm -hmm. um, its pattern is, uh, looks a lot more random, but over time you get the trend. So we then have these formal assessment periods um, mm -hmm. that we can then compare, you know, and they tend to be a year apart. They tend to be a long time apart um, because also there's a difference between what you can remember at the end of a lesson and what you can do independently three, three years later. Mm. So we have then these, these formal assessment periods. And then we sort of, we take that information and we look at every, uh, twice a year, we have what we call pupil performance review meetings. Okay. Um, and where we're taking this sort of data, if you like, um, this information, and we're thinking, right, how is the child doing academically uh, and socially? We, we put the personal development in there as well, because actually, you know, a child is going to find it very hard to learn if there's other things going on in their life. So the sort of how they're personally developing and, and uh, doing is also going to form part of that. Okay, so these pupil performance reviews that you talk about, how does that look? Does that involve the children being there or the, are the parents there? Is this like a parents' evening or is this like an internal meeting with staff? No, this is an internal meeting that happens with the pastoral lead, the academic lead and the class teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and they will sit down and name by name say, okay, right, let's look at this pupil. How oh, are they doing? Okay. Here's what the data is saying, or the new piece of data that we've got in, which will be a formal assessment. So we do, there's um, the INCAS tests, we do a GL test, uh, and we do CAT tests, and we do assessing primary writing. There are sort of four standardised national sort of test programmes we use. And so we'll say, okay, so this is the latest outcome. And we're always, I think the best way to approach any test or formal assessment results is to look at it as a snapshot like you take a photograph and that tells you what was going on at that second but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that's the reality or the whole picture i always say you know if, if the wind blew and your your hair went one way 
um, <laughs> is that what your haircut looked like? You'd be like, well, no, that was just in that second when you caught that picture. Mm. You know, my eyes were slightly going one way and my hair was going the other. <laughs> um, I don't really look like that most of the time. And that can be true. That can be true for children's academic performance. Mm. So it's the start of a conversation. It's um, so I talk about the INCAS assessments. They're run by um, a company called Chem. And, and they always say it's a start of a conversation. So we use those formal points in these these people performance review meetings. Say, okay, well, how does that match what you're seeing in the classroom? What's mm-hmm. going on with this child? You know, where should they be going? What's the next step? So it's it's almost like an internal parents' evening, mm-hmm. but done at a lot greater detail because parents' evenings, you know, they're sort of five minutes, ten minutes, but the, these these often, you know, they might take ten. Some children, you know, might be 10 minutes. Some children might be 30 minutes. Where, mm. And it's lovely to have a group of professionals mm. all talking about a child and sort of just creating ideas and thinking, okay, well, you know, is it because of this? Or well, should we look at that? Or mm. So it's, it's that space. I think it's an idea we sort of, I mean, I don't think we're the only school to do it. But, you know, certainly in my mind, I view it like those, uh, you sometimes see on those medical documentaries you know teams of surgeons will sit around and they'll discuss a particular case mm. and they'll say and, and then they just get very different ideas from you know their interdisciplinary colleagues it all feels really quite reassuring to me that this concept of like like you say the adult professionals sitting around talking about each child and to me as a, as a i mean I, I'm, I'm a parent i've got two children to know that my to know that my children they're not at snares but prep by the way just for the sake of people listening but but if i knew that my children were being individually discussed by adults then that that would fill me with a lot of reassurance i certainly hope so i mean it's and and to some degree these these conversations have always happened and they happen you know in schools every minute you know you go into the staff room and you'll think oh you know what's you know how soon they been in pe today or you know these conversations happen but this was really a a way of making it systematic and not accidental. I think one of the key things we identified when I joined the school in 2018 was trying to be rigorous about mm. everything we're doing and systematic. Mm. Um, so it, it's just a, a formal, two formal points in the year where we go through this process. So yes, I mean, I, I hope it is reassuring and um, they are mm. certainly very useful. So you mentioned a few other things as well, uh, and I wrote these down. You, you mentioned INCAS, CAT, GL tests and primary writing. I, I yes. think they're the four that you said. Let's look at each of those. INCAS, that's I-N-C-A-S, is that right? That's right. And, and, and what is that? So that's a product. It's a computer-based test produced by an offshoot of what was the University of Durham is now out of the University of Cambridge called the Centre of Evaluation and Monitoring. And what they were trying to do initially, sort of 40 years ago, was answer that question about how is my child doing? And some of that is what value is the school adding? You know, if I didn't send them to this school, would mm-hmm. it have made any difference? Would mm. they have just got to where they got to anyway? And so the way they set about doing that was they created what they call a developability test, which is part sort of uh, nonverbal reasoning and verbal reasoning has a few other sort of cultural elements in it, sort of questions. And then what they do from that, as I understand it, and I'm not a statistician, is basically they know, because they've done this with tens of thousands of children, mm-hmm. you know, I think 50, 60,000, you know, over right. a long period of time. And they know that if you score one score on this developability test, then in your when you do the maths tests and when you do the reading test, 
statistically you're likely to score you know if you score y on the developability you'll score x on the reading test mm -hmm. statistically therefore they you they can i don't know if the right word is to infer they can infer from if you're above that then something extra is happening which tends to be the score and if you're below that then something else is affecting it uh, okay right so again so what you're trying to do is you're looking at like i say so it tests reading so basically comprehension mm -hmm. and it tests maths in various ways mm -hmm. and so what we use it for so we've got we do it every year from year one upwards and then we use a package for eyfs the two eyfs classes mm -hmm. um that's also done by them but it doesn't feed very well into the thing but a similar type of idea mm -hmm. so by the time they get to year six, they'll have done six of these tests. So we've got a fair idea what their average is. Mm -hmm. We've got a fair idea of just trying to get that idea of are they performing as well as they could be mm -hmm. against, you know, this notion that is developability. And if they are not, then it's why not? And again, in these pupil performance review meetings, it's like, OK, what else is going on? Is, is there, you know, is it how are their friendships? How are they in class? How are they, you know, and it could be is you know, do we think there's an underlying educational need? Now, you know, I need to say that the INCAS test isn't there to diagnose that. It's there to raise the question. Okay, they're not doing as well as perhaps this this developability score would suggest they should do. Why? Mm. So it leads to that. Mm. Um, so that's sort of the, the INCAS. Okay, so then there's the GL tests. They're another national standardised test. And again, they very much look at English and maths performance. So we do the INCAS at the beginning of the year and we look at that year on year and then we do the GL test at the end of the year and look at those year on year. And you can you can have a look across the two within the year. I mean, they are slightly different tests, but I think, you know, you can you can looking at them so is certainly of use and that you're doing to sort of make sure, you know, has this child made progress over the year? And again, you can look on it year on year and that gives you that nice long trend. We do the CAT tests in year five only. So that's the cognitive ability tests. And that really is non-verbal reasoning and verbal reasoning. Again, we do that because we have an amount of historical data that helps us track that into in terms of 11 plus outcomes. Mm. Um, and we can use that as a proxy when sort of advising parents on likelihood of success at various schools. Mm -hmm. um, entrance tests i catch that you know with a lot of caveats you know it's it's there's definitely a correlation you can see you can see and they, that can help inform that conversation or at least guide it um so we do those and then we've got the assessing primary writing system which we've actually done a, a podcast on um in series one or one of our very first episodes mm -hmm. but essentially what that is doing is looking at our writing um, against a national cohort who are all doing the same sort of test. So again, it's all these tests, again, one of the things they are doing is they are providing a national picture against which to look at or to answer that question, how is my child doing? Mm. Mm. And that happens, those assessing primary writing tasks happen every year, but we also ask the children to do two pieces of writing a year, which mm. again, we, we sort of look at their progress, you, you know, between those two points. Yeah, so that way we, we have, you know, we, we have these national pictures which we can look at to answer mm -hmm. that question, how is my child doing? 
Also, we can look at their own ipsative performance. So how have they got better? Because again, mm -hmm. that's their own journey. I guess that's the thing, you know, when you ask the question, how is my child doing? You do also need to say against what? In relation yeah. to what? Do you think that when parents ask that question, even though we know it's important that it's kind of based on how the child was doing beforehand, are parents coming at it wanting to know how they are compared to other children in the year group? Yeah, so the short answer certainly is, is, is yes, a lot of them will. I think it's the onus is on us as a school to communicate. When you ask that question, what are you, you looking at? Mm. Um, so, I mean, I often, again, use the analogy of the elephant in the room, which was the, you know, the five blind people feeling an elephant. When we say, how are they doing? We need to look at how are they doing against themselves? You know, are they making progress? How are they, what is their level of attainment? So that's where are they against either a criteria or, you know, against a standard. And then, so that, and that stand, so you've got the criteria might be something like the SATs, you know, national published um, age expectations. Um, but a standard might be like, well, the 11 plus, you know, the, the, the independent selective secondary school tests. Now, that standard moves a bit because it's basically first past the post in terms of, you know, the schools offer to the to the top X number, depending mm -hmm. on what they want to take in. So that 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 standard moves slightly. Um, and then you've got, you know, how are they performing nationally or against their peer group? Um, mm -hmm. So that could be a very small peer group within the class or it could be against the national peer group now. Sometimes the national peer group and the age-related expectations are very similar. But actually, mm -hmm. after COVID, they were quite different because actually the national picture had gone down slightly. Interesting. Um, but, mm. you know, the traditional age-related expectations might have been slightly higher. So hopefully when we communicate with parents, we try and be clear in which what we're comparing to and why that is important. Because, again, I think they each have value, like mm. the five... The, the blind people feeling the elephant each have a part of the story to tell what you know one is not more important than the other one might be more important in certain situations you know so so that's what we're trying to to do okay and just for reference the blind people feeling the elephant just tell us that in a snapshot again oh so that's the um that's the analogy is there's an elephant in the room and five blind people one has the tusk one has the trunk one has the tail one has the leg Oh, one has the ear hmm. and they're trying to discuss what it is that's in the room hmm. and they're arguing and one saying, no, it's, it's, it's like a tree. It's like a tree. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. It's not like a tree. It's all smooth and sharp at the end. There's no tree that's smooth and sharp because mm -hmm. that's the person feeling the tusk. I don't mm -hmm. know what you're talking about. Ridiculous. It's mm -hmm. flappy. It's like a, a wing of a bird. It must be a bird. <laughs> I've got the wing here. So, and the question is who's right? And then mm -hmm. obviously they're all right by their perspective and if they only listen to each part they would get a better understanding of the whole um mm. so yes sorry that's the the um story which i was basing my thing on okay so apart from the pupil performance reviews that you talked about earlier what what does the school actually do with all of this data this information that comes back from the incas from the cat from the gl test from the primary writing what what do you what do you do with all of it then so like I said, you, you, even if we start with the informal bits, each day your planning will change slightly for the class and for the pupils based on what they have done that previous day. We are then looking for the more formal um, assessment points 
to either back up that day-to-day sense of where where the the, the progress is being made or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so if for, at, at that point, after a pupil progress review meeting, we might say, actually, I think this is something we now, you know, are we? To, are, how much of this have we communicated to parents? You know, where are we in that cycle? Because I sometimes say, you know, school's a bit like what goes on in school stays on in school, you know, a bit like what goes on tour stays on tour. You know, children aren't going to aren't going to get everything right they shouldn't be getting everything right if they're getting everything right they're not being challenged so mm. but if you tell parents everything they got wrong that would really sort of worry <laughs> them um so actually a lot of stuff you know happens you, you need to take out the, the sort of noise if you like and give them the trend so at the pupil progress review okay where are we how much have we communicated to parents do we need to communicate more have we accurately communicated where we are um, in this journey with this pupil then it might be about if it's about a, a particular pupil it'll be okay what extra what's the cause of this what might the causes be do we know accurately because again you want to identify the cause accurately because the, the the remedy i don't want to use the word remedy because that makes it sound more like medicine but you know mm-hmm. the response is going to be different you want to treat it accordingly and mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. Have we tried this? Have we tried that? Who else has expertise in this that we can talk to? You know, so there'll be those sorts of conversations and sort of action plans being put in place. It will then, on a slightly larger basis, either for the cohort as, you know, the class as a whole, you know, is there something that we are not doing as a school or do we need to do as a school to either... You know, do we need to change our planning? You know, are our children always ahead of where they traditionally would be at this stage, in which case we might need to change what's coming up for them? Or do we need to alter what we do previously because they're they're not, you know, for some reason they don't have the skills that they would have traditionally had? So, mm-hmm. you know, do we need to put something else in place, you know, to meet that need within school um, because it isn't met elsewhere in their in their development? And also just sort of think about, okay, this has gone really well. Why? And can mm. we replicate that? Is that just a one-off incident? Could it be replicated? Is it specific mm-hmm. to that child? Could it be useful for other other children? Whatever we did that worked well, what can we learn from that um, and scale up so that everybody can benefit from it? Mm. So I guess mm. they're the main things that we sort of that come out of this process. So then from from my point of view as a parent, if I was listening to this right now, how do I get informed about all of this? I mean, is it, you know, clearly Parents' Evening is is, is a channel for for me to find out some some of the information about my child but i mean is that, is that the only route that you use to deliver information i mean like i say the, the 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 first starting point really is no news is good news there is parents evening uh, and then there are the the school reports so we have two parents evenings a year and there's school reports two points in the year too but we always say if you've got any questions just speak to us like you know as we dismiss on the gate or if you're not on the gate you know send us an email you know, give us a call, we'll arrange a meeting. Mm-hmm. And we're more than happy to sort of to talk in between those formal points because, you know, there really isn't enough space in a report to write everything. And also nobody would want to read everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a parent, you're going to have your own questions. And so it's probably much better just to ring up and say, oh, I've been thinking about this and just deal with that specific thing. You know, we're mm-hmm. more than happy to do that. So that's, yeah, that's how it's 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 sort of communicated. Tell me more about the 11 plus. How does everything that we've talked about help towards the 11 plus for when they're looking at senior schools? So to some degree, see, I always worry about this question because it is not about the 11 plus and it is also about the 11 plus. And <laughs> right. for some parents, it's not about the 11 plus 
and for some parents it's all about the 11 plus and for some parents it's not about the 11 plus until it is all about the 11 plus um it's just <laughs> right. like well because it's like oh they're too young for that and then all of a sudden there's you know they change year group and now it's all about the 11 plus so none of these things are in and of themselves about the 11 plus i think that's what i'm saying mm. 11 plus success is about the it's it's the byproduct of a high quality broad and balanced education and what we do from the start is we look at year seven and i do mean you know I'm constantly thinking about and trying to take feedback from past pupils and even if they're not past pupils from our school, any pupil in year seven, year eight, year nine, wherever it is, what do you need to be successful and what do you wish your primary stage had told you and how can we do that? So then, and I talk to teachers, you know, any secondary teachers that will talk to me, I'll, you know, I'll go through the same set of questions and then track back the knowledge they need. You know, so if you need to know that in year seven, what do you need to know in year six? If you need to know that in year six, what do you need to know in year five? Mm. And so that's the sort of work we do over the curriculum, making sure that it builds up. You know, mm. what skills do you need at various stages to be successful? Um, and what knowledge do you need to support those skills to be successful? Mm. Um, and then these formal testing points are, you know, they're, they're sort of signposts along that journey. That, that roughly line up and that we can sort of make sensible guesstimates at, you know, mm. okay, this child, you know, if, if, if you can look at a child and say, okay, well, look, in, in terms of their age-related expectations, they are, you know, doing what they should be doing or they're ahead of where they should be, then that's a, that's a positive picture. Mm. If you then say, right, okay, well, could they be doing better? Okay, I understand they're doing, they're, they're working at their age-related expectation. I'm happy about that. Could they be doing better than that? You know, that's where we might use the INCAS and look at that mm. and say, okay, no, actually the INCAS is saying actually they're performing really well. Mm. Um, and another really interesting thing with the INCAS is that some children that are overperforming, for want of a better term, um, are at risk of burning out. Because what that's telling you is they're working really hard, but mm. sometimes they make it look so effortless that we as adults don't appreciate how maybe how hard they're working. Interesting. Um, and so, you know, they're not getting the feedback, you know, us saying, oh, look, you're doing brilliantly well done. So there, there, there can be that sort of mental well-being side to that mm. part of the question too. So then we've got, so then we've got two parts of the, you know, they're, they're doing well nationally. They're doing well in terms of, you know, against what INCAS thinks they should be doing. Mm -hmm. How well are they doing against where they were previously? Are they still making progress? You know, so we look at their past work or where they, yep, you know, we can see against a previous test score or a previous piece of writing. We we can, especially with writing, you can visibly see the difference mm. between it. Okay, that's that's positive, right? Okay, um, where are they against their sort of this 11 plus, which maybe in some ways is the least important, but in other ways is perhaps the most important, depending on why you came to the school. You know, lots of, you know, moving on to a, a you know, a, a selective secondary school is important to lots of our families. And so then it's, okay, where are we in that journey? Mm. If we've got those four bits of information and we're happy with those, then, you know, there's very little conversation other than, yep, it's all going well. You mm. know, where one of those is less less certain or less positive, then, you know, we start conversations. Yeah, so that's how it sort of all sort of fits in with that big sort of mm. picture of leaving Snaresbrook Prep, being the best child you can be. In an academic sense, and I should say this is only really talking about the academic development. There's a whole mm. 
other mm-hmm. side, which is their personal development, you know, mm-hmm. the values and uh, other bits that, that that actually underpin a lot of success in life and happiness in life. But that's a separate podcast. <laughs> so a question then on behalf of parents who might be listening to this right now, what, what, what can parents do to help all of this, to help the development of their child, to work with the school when it comes to things like assessing the academic progress? I think the number one thing, particularly in this sort of conversation, is really be clear when you say, how are they doing? Try and help the teacher and be explicit. Which of those four pieces are you looking at? And actually separate them out as you discuss before sort of coming to, before summarising it as, you know, how are they doing? That that really would help the conversations, particularly with the sort of um, 11 plus parts. I guess also be clear, when you ask how are they doing, is that sort of, you know, like when you meet somebody, oh, how are you doing? Mm. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasantry, you know, it, it's, you know, so if you see them on the gates, oh, how are they doing? You might just mean everything all right? Yeah, everything's mm. fine. Mm. If you want more detail to that, be clear about that so the teacher mm. knows what information to impart because there's a lot of information that they will constantly be juggling and dealing with and they won't know how much to share. But equally, sometimes the parent might not know which aspects is important to talk about. So, so a parent might be saying, well, you know, how's my child doing? And they're kind of looking for a steer from the, from the member of staff to talk about the area of most importance. Yeah, well, and again, I'm, I'm not sure I would say most important because they're all important. Mm. Um, it's, but this is why I think I wanted to do this podcast on this topic, because I think if parents have it in their mind, and again, like I say, you've got to bear in mind, when does this conversation happen? So again, you know, these conversations often happen quite informally and they appear very informal. How's, how's, it, how's, it, you know, how's it going? How are they doing? Yeah, they're doing fine. Mm. They're doing really well. Had a great day today, you know. Mm. But actually, if you are thinking, oh, you know, again, be clear in your own mind. Am I actually asking, are they going to get to Cambridge? And I say that because, you know, I've, I've heard stories of parents sitting down and saying, oh, right, where did, where did, which, which universities do these children go to? And it's like, hang on, they're four years old. They're in, mm. they're in mm. upper foundation. Some, some parents, when you say they're doing fine here, oh, great, they're going to go to Downing College. Other parents, if you start talking about the 11 plus, think, hang on. They're too young for that. Mm. They just, I just want to know they're happy. So when mm. I ask, how are they doing? I want to know they're happy. I'm not even really interested in how mm. they're doing academically. I mm. can see they're doing fine. I can see they're writing and, you know, I see that. Mm. So I guess the reason for doing this, this podcast on this topic was it's very difficult as a teacher to be clear sometimes as to what you're, when you're answering that question, which bit you're picking out. Mm. But that's also because it's, I think, as a parent... You wouldn't know to mm, ask mm. it in a more specific way. And I only, I only know to ask it in a certain specific way because I'm slightly odd, I think, in the sense that I break everything up into really tiny parts mm-hmm. and then I try and piece them all back together again. Mm, um, mm. And, and when I have tried it, with like, parents will say to me, oh, how are they doing? And when I say, well, what do you mean? They mm. get quite frustrated at that. And then I then spend 15 minutes going through, you know, well, there's this bit and this bit and this bit. Um, and they go, oh, OK, right. OK, well, that's interesting. So I thought if I did it on a podcast, I could save everybody some time. Um, <laughs> right. But, but I think it, it, it talks to that piece about, you know, when when parents and school are, when their communication is clearer, then it's all for the benefit of the pupil, mm. you know, because it, mm. it helps us as a school for, for a parent to say, oh, look, you know, OK, I, against the age-related expectations, I can hear they're doing well. 
what does that mean in terms of the 11 plus mm-hmm. you know and then that's that's you know that, that that will lead on to another conversation so and I guess to come back to your earlier point regarding parents, if there's no news, then generally speaking, that's going to be good news. Absolutely. The, the rule number one is no news is good news. But I think that does, like I say, coming back to that first point, it does take a lot of trust. And again, I, I hope what parents get out of this conversation is there is an awful lot of thought, both sort of informal and formal, that takes place ensuring mm. that, you know, every child can be their best selves Um and that we are ambitious for their outcomes. You know, it's not a case of this is where they are. They'll get to where they get to. It's mm. OK, this is where they are. Is that where they should be? Could they be further? How could we make that? You know, what could we add to that? You know, so it's if they're reassured of that, hopefully the no news is good news is slightly more comfortable <laughs> to mm. sit in the silence. <laughs> and Captain Obvious answer coming, I'm sure. But if a parent's listening to this and they've got any concerns, they should just get in touch with the school. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, never sit on any concerns. Don't sit on them until parents' evening. You know, just ping us an email saying, you know, can the class teacher give me a call? More than happy to do that. I mean, parents' evenings really should be just a sort of formal validation of what you already know. Yeah, yeah. And, and almost just a, a chance just to see each other face to face or, you know, mm. Zoom to Zoom. But certainly any, 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 I wouldn't even say concerns. If you've got a question, mm. you know, or it's on my mind, don't, don't, honestly, don't be afraid. We'd much rather hear from you. It's much better to, to try mm. and talk it through. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm keeping an eye on time. We should probably bring this episode to a close. Ralph, thank you for being here for the end of a second podcast recording this morning. It's nearly lunchtime, actually, so probably time for us to go get some lunch. Absolutely. <laughs> Can you hear my tummy rumbling? <laughs> I can't hear that. Actually, what's on the menu for lunch today in school? Do you know, I never know. I never know what's on the menu because I'm just so grateful that somebody looks after it for me that I can, I just think how blessed a life am I that I can just turn up and mm. there is food presented to me that I haven't, you know, the fact that there's food, you know, there's food in, in a hungry world and, you know, mm. I haven't had to put any thought in. I'm just so grateful that I think it seems wrong to actually think what's on the menu today. Awesome. OK, well, I'll, I'll release you then to go and enjoy lunch. But thank you for your time. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, Simon. So that was Ralph Dalton, head teacher at school, talking all about the academic side of life and how it's all measured. Do get in touch with the school if you have any questions. They'll always be happy to help you. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.